The following is a message from Reverend Ken Melvin of Wellsprings Congregation. So a few weeks ago in this message series, I shared a story um, about a, a fond uh, term, a joking term, that my brother-in-law, years before he was my brother-in-law, used to refer to me as. With, with full respect for the religious heritage and lineage from which I come, he recognized many years ago that I didn't like to sleep. I would, quote-unquote, go to bed two, three, four, five, six years old. He recognized this over the years. And there was always one more trip for a glass of water, always one more request for a story, always one more padding off to the bathroom, just this resistance, this habitual resistance that I had. And so he took hearing my, he, he took to calling me, hearing my footsteps up above, he took to calling me the wandering Jew. Again, no anti-Semitism there at all whatsoever. I recognize that I never really knew where my aversion to sleeping came from. It just always seemed to be my problem, my issue. Until I read something recently, research out of Emory University's School of Medicine, a very reputable, high-prestige university, in which they did some research about the source of human phobias, fears, resistance. And I love how they term it. The research was based on what they called ancestral experience before conception. Ancestral experience before conception. And this wasn't real nice for the mice, but they studied mice in this way. They would expose these mice to um, the smell of cherry blossoms and then apply a not fatal but painful electric shock stimulus. Smell of the cherry blossoms, electric shock. And what they found in studying the offspring of these mice is that even though the offspring had never actually been exposed to the smell of cherry blossoms themselves directly, when they started to smell it, they didn't have the fear. They didn't get the shock, excuse me. But when they started to smell the cherry blossoms, they would tense up. They would show signs of fear. This led to the theory that perhaps with difficult experiences in our lives, this is how phobias and fears get formed. They get passed on genetically. For years, I always wondered what my problem was with not sleeping. I mean, there was no traumatic event. What was my problem? What was wrong with me? My problem, my issue. And by the way, when you were caught in this mindset, it doesn't help you ease up at the end of the day and try to sleep anymore. And so this little bit of research helped me to kind of reframe just a little bit. Maybe I was going about it all wrong my entire life. What if this wasn't my problem? It's an issue I've got to deal with, like we all got to deal with issues. But what if it literally wasn't my underlined, my problem? Maybe it began way, way, way back when. Maybe it was my great, 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 great grandfather or grandmother in Tsarist Russia, not a good place to be a Jew, who experienced a trauma or an upset around sleeping 
around rest. Yeah, it's an issue I have to deal with. But maybe this research shows it isn't my problem. Maybe that was the issue. I got to tell you, when I read this research, it played into also what is a huge part of my spiritual practice, which is learning to open up my perception, learning to open up my awareness, and simply to become aware of whatever is arising. My spiritual practice practice in concert with this research, I got to tell you, it really humbled me. And then it eased me right up. Maybe this isn't my problem at all. It's just something I have to deal with. By the way, this recent scientific discovery, it's merely amplifying something spiritual traditions have been talking about for thousands of years. The more recent one is the Indigo Girls. There's a song called Galileo that some of you might remember, and it's the, one of the singers kind of theorizing about what reincarnation means. And she sings, I think about my fear of motion, which I never could explain. Some other fool across the ocean years ago must have crashed their little airplane. Maybe it's just part of an inheritance from somewhere. Taken even deeper, this observation, the 12th century Zen teacher Dogen said that to study the self is actually to forget the self. And to forget the self is to allow ourselves to be actualized by many things. To study the self is to forget the self. Please don't walk out of here today with the understanding that I'm saying you don't exist. That's not the point. As the uh, Zen Buddhist Jewish tradition goes, the humor, the humorous tradition says, if there is no self, then whose arthritis is this? (laughs) We're here. We're here. We got stuff. Stuff we're working with. What I'm saying is, is that in light of what we're now recognizing about genetic inheritance, maybe it provides a deeper reference point to teachings about reincarnation or what Dr. Carl Jung called the the collective unconscious. Maybe it's another understanding of the fact that we share as human beings 90%, more than 90% of our DNA, not just with each other, it's much more than 90% with our common human beings, but more than 90% of our DNA with the common earthworm. Maybe it's as simple as the great astrophysicist Neil deGrasse Tyson says that we are literally, atomically, not figuratively, literally, we are made of the same stuff as stars. That we are made with stardust. All of our lives, the sum of so many experiences, the sum of so many experiences, and here's the thought, the sum of so many experiences, perhaps that we never had. The I, me, mine never had, like George Harrison, the Beatles sang about. This I, me, mine, all through our lives. I, me, mine, I, me, mine, I, me, mine. But what happens when we recognize that maybe this I, me, mine is not nearly as solid as we think it is? What happens when this I, me, mine becomes a little less rigid What happens when this I, me, mine lets its borders and its defenses and its boundaries, as if we're playing defense our entire life, drop? And we might find ourselves becoming more spacious, more free, and giving. 
this I think has been the greatest struggle of my life and perhaps has been true for you, is to find out how it is to be a person in this life who can take it all less personally. To be a person who can take it all less personally. This is at the heart of this current message series I'm doing called The Power of With. I recognize maybe my difficulty with sleeping is not my problem at all, and that eases me up. That allows me, as I go into perhaps another night, in which I'm not sure if I'll fall asleep immediately, just to start to say, you know what, I don't have to own this one. (laughs) I didn't choose to create it. It's not mine. It's here. And instead, I can maybe choose how to work with it. I can choose to be responsible with it. The same principle can apply to all of our lives, from our many inheritances, to the many experiences that are a part of our lives that we never had. Our pain, our gifts, our loss, our love, our grief, our healing. This is the power of with, as we talk about in our core values, to live a life of integrity, which is not some high-falluting moral virtue that we can say we've attained, and we are a person of integrity. Integrity simply means this, that we allow ourselves and invite ourselves to piece ourselves together from our own actions and perhaps the actions well before us that help to inform who we are. To live a life of integrity, as we say, requires humility and vulnerability. Humility and vulnerability necessary so we are able to make positive change. To be integrated is to practice the power of with. There's a teaching in the gospel traditions. It's one that I find a lot of progressive spiritual folks really like because especially if folks grew up in a Christian tradition explicitly that really stressed our original brokenness, original sinfulness, that maybe for a lot of people it opens up the fact that maybe we were born not originally broken but originally blessed. And it's this simple to say, but very often not simple to live with or practice, what Jesus said, that the kingdom of God is inside of you. The kingdom of God is inside each and every one of us. For many years, I put the emphasis on the inside piece. Like, it's not far away. It's not somewhere else. I don't have to deny my brain, my mind, in order to find it's inside of me. But I think the key sentence in that is actually the first, the first word. Kingdom. Inside of us. If it's inside of us, is just simply saying the all that is a part of each and the each that is a part of all is who we are born with. We are a part of this life. We are born as a with for good and for ill. In one of Jesus' more mystical teachings that perhaps is so mystical it didn't even arrive in the Bible. Perhaps it was too dangerous to put this voice of Jesus. It's from the Gospel of Thomas. It's what it's called from the non-canonical sources. Jesus says simply, split a piece of wood and I am there. Split a piece of wood and I am there. Now this is one of those places in which people get hung up a little bit. Is Jesus saying literally split a piece of wood and you will find me, Jesus, inside of it? Almost like, you know, in 21st century America, we hear, still hear these stories about uh, people seeing the face of Jesus or the Virgin Mary in their morning pancakes. That's not what Jesus is saying here. It's a quote from the song we just did. It's not the teacher, it's the teaching. Maybe what Jesus is saying right here in this beautiful, heart-opening teaching is that the all is in the each, and the each is in the all, and life most fundamentally is with. We are made with 
so many things. In our own tradition, Emerson, our great spiritual ancestor, talked about this as the oversoul. He said, within us each is the soul of the whole, the wise silence, the universal beauty, to which every part and every particle is equally related. You can hear what Neil deGrasse Tyson said, we're stardust. We're composed with this universe. And Emerson continues, the eternal one, it is here. We see the world, we tend to see the world piece by piece by piece as separate. As the sun, separate from the moon, separate from the stars and the animal and the tree. But the whole, he says, of which these are the shining parts is the soul. We are a with. It's like uh, LinkedIn. Like, I'm on Facebook. Those of you, you might know, I'm on Facebook a lot, probably far too much. LinkedIn, I could not be more indifferent. If you send me a request for LinkedIn, I will become connected with you, and then we'll have no interaction there. I think I have 191 connections on LinkedIn. Like, if you go to your LinkedIn page, it's probably because I'm not looking for a job right now. You might, some of you might be relieved to know that. I'm not looking for a job. <laughs> so if you go to LinkedIn, it says you have 191 connections. But here's the thing about the power of with. We don't have connections. We are a connection. That is the nature of life. We are connection itself. When we can live into and live with this power of with, it can radically transform how we see ourselves. It means we can perhaps soften and take some of those hard edges off of I and me and mine and playing defensiveness all throughout this life. We can see it in people of all ages. I saw it in these two lovely people who I absolutely adore. I saw it recently in the lives of my Nieces, Margot and Lila. This is a different picture, not from this story. This is uh, one day a couple years ago when I think I had just become a fan of Game of Thrones and breakfast wasn't going so well. And so I decided that I would pledge my liege to them in the royalty kingdom of breakfast. Playing with our food helps, by the way, folks. And so this is them, sorry, non-conrivores, this is them with their sausages at the ends of their forks saying, we are the queens of sausages. <laughs> that breakfast got eaten in about two minutes. <laughs> Playing with our food can be fun, but this is a different story I want to tell you about Margo and Lila when I was just seeing them a few weeks ago. And uh, Margo's a little bit older than Lila, about two years, and they were doing some arts and crafts around a table. And those of us who are older siblings may recognize some of Margot's frustration, and those of us who are younger siblings might recognize what the hell is this big fuss about. And Margot started to complain. Two years older, two years the senior to Lila. Ah, Lila, stop copying me. Do your own thing. Stop copying me. And my sister, their mom was in the other room, and I figure, okay, this is a great chance for me to do some half-assed parenting. And so... I said, Margot, ha have you thought that maybe Lila isn't copying you to bother you or to steal from you? That maybe she's inspired by you. That what you're helping her do is get ideas and you're modeling something that's really cool for her. And from the other room, I hear my sister's voice. Margo, does that sound like something you've heard before? <laughs> so, it feels nice to, even though I've done my own kids, to know that I've got some instincts here. <laughs> and Margo put on this, this face. 
yeah, well, I don't like it. <laughs> but here's the thing. Something shifted. She didn't keep complaining about Lila copying her ideas. Her I, me, mine got a little less rigid and a little bit more open and a little bit more free and a little bit more easy. Yeah, she didn't have to like it, but it didn't have to take her down either. And it didn't have to ruin her day. This is the transforming power of the power of with. Creation, I don't care how creative we think we are. I don't care how creative I think I am. Creation is always co-creation. We're always working with materials we didn't generate ourselves. It's like the book of Ecclesiastes says, the most Zen source in all of the Hebrew scriptures. There's nothing new under the sun. We might add as a postscript to that, there's just different interesting ways of putting together what's already there. All creation is co-creation. When we can recognize this, we can know that there are so many more abundant and wholehearted ways of living with this life and with our experiences, whether it's challenging or whether it's beneficial, whether it's easy or whether it's difficult, that we can live this life in such a way that we can soften some of our rigid or narrow boundaries and to know that to most fundamentally to be a full, flourishing person in this life is to be a with. It's like they used to say in the 60s, same lesson still applies. I don't think anyone says this anymore, but what they used to say back then, that person's with it. It's still the same principle. To be a person who is with this life is to be able to re-enter that deeper stream of connection, of not thinking that we have this separate self that is apart from all other beings, but to know that we can re-enter into the basic rhythm and connection with this life. To be a with is to be a connected, to find our hearts beating with other people's hearts. This is something that goes back to the beginning of, of Wellsprings, and I think there's a few of the people in the room might remember this. And this is when we were deciding, you know, what kind of uh, worship service did we want to do here at Wellsprings. And, and uh, we remember we read... Um, Story, I think it was from the Christian Science Monitor that talked about once you control for different theologies and, you know, conservative or progressive or different denominations, that there were a few common practices that growing spiritual communities engaged in regularly. And one of them was this. Growing spiritual communities had drums. Chris, we owe it all to you. Don't repeat my words back to me when we renegotiate your salary, okay? <laughs> I thought at first when I read this, okay, this is about hip. Hip congregations have drums and we want to be hip and we want to grow. But actually I've come to recognize that it has very little to do with hipness. It has to do that drums keep time. Drums keep the rhythm. Drums might remind us of the most elemental rhythm that there is in our entire lives that we are born with and live with and every other creature, human and non-human, has, which is the beating of our own hearts. Uh, Beck, the musician, and I know a lot of us uh, like quite a bit, or at least are interested in, he's got a new line from an album that's coming out called Your Heart is a Drum 
keeping time with everyone. Can you do that right now? Would you put your hand over your heart? Maybe keep it there through the rest of the message if you can. Both hands, even that's better. Yeah, that's great. Uh, 9.30 folks are a little anxious. Some of them did this. and like, oh my God, my heart's beating. I've got to get it away. Now, see if you can keep the hand there. This same heartbeat beating within all of life. Your heart is a drum keeping time with everyone. Recalls these words from E.E. E. Cummings. Son of Unitarian clergy over a hundred years ago. Your heart is a drum keeping time with everyone. He's, these words of his. I carry your heart with me, he said in this poem. I carry your heart with me. Here is the deepest secret nobody knows. Here is the root of the root and the bud of the bud and the sky of the sky of a tree called life, which grows higher than the soul can hope or mind can hide. And this is the wonder that keeps the stars apart. I carry your heart with me. I carry your heart with me. My heart. This is more than just romance. This is an elemental way of practicing the all that is an all. The each that is a part of each. I've come to change my perspective on my sleepless nights. And I wonder as I can sit with my own heart beating... And sometimes a heart that can beat someone anxiously when that sleep doesn't come and I see the hours ticking towards morning. And I wonder what sleepless ancestor rests within me. And maybe as I am learning to take my rest and to let go just a little bit, that maybe I am healing a hundreds of year old hurt. That isn't mine, but has come to rest with me. And so I'd ask you, as you heal, as you become more whole, as you grow, maybe from years, a lineage of family pain or disease, or just plain old not thinking that you're ever going to get it right, who heals with you? As you grow. In the final account and in the broadest possible resources for the heart, our healing is not just our own healing. Our healing is life healing itself. Our caring isn't just our caring. Our caring is life caring for itself. Our love isn't just our love. Our love is life loving itself. This is the precious gift of with. That we are always, whether we like it or not, hopefully we can do it in wholesome ways, although sometimes we can do it in ways that hurt. We are always handing over our hearts to be carried with the hearts of others. With our friends, with our families, with your children. We are always carrying our hearts and your hearts and all these hearts within our hearts. To be able to recognize this might be to, yes, ease up on ourselves and not worry so much about my problem. 
but to face our lives more wholeheartedly. And to recognize what one of our great ancestors said, William Ellery Channing, who said with full wholeheartedness, who said with the power of with, I am a living member of the great family of all souls. There's no thinking our way into that one. But there's the practice and the power of with that knows we believe that we are living members of the great family of all souls. May you, in being with your life today, know that you are a part of this family of all souls. And we are blessed to be. Amen. And may you live in that blessing of with. Let's pray together. God of the with, of all the ages up until this one, and all the ages that will come beyond this one, world in either direction without end, may we recognize this day that we are the inheritors of so much grief, sadness, love, loss, joy, celebration. May we allow the wisdom of life to rest within us and grow our hearts large with love. In practicing this power of with, may we know that it is separateness that is the ultimate illusion. And it is the with, the connection, that is the reunion of life with life and the coming back home this homecoming that so many of us seek. It is already here with us, beating within our hearts, keeping in time with everyone. Amen. If you enjoyed this message and would like to support the mission of Wellsprings, go to our website, wellspringsuu.org. That's wellsprings, the letters uu.org.